Hi everyone, welcome to the Cloud Architects podcast, a podcast about cloud, technology and the people using it. Welcome everyone, Nicholas Blank here with my co-host Chris Goosen at Microsoft Ignite. Hello. For more information on this episode, as well as a list of our other episodes, visit us on the web at thearchitects.cloud. This podcast is brought to you by Kemp Technologies. We chose Kemp as a sponsor based on their amazing product line for the cloud, which includes the Kemp Loadmaster appliance in the Microsoft Azure Marketplace, as well as Kemp 360 family. For more information, go to kemptechnologies.com. Today's podcast comes straight from Microsoft Ignite here in sunny Florida, where we're speaking to the two Pauls, Paul Andrew and Paul Collinge. Paul Andrew and Paul Collinge, can we ask you to introduce yourselves and let us know what you do at Microsoft, where you're both involved in creating and supporting some of the network guidance that we use every day. And we'll start with you, Paul Andrew. All right, yeah, so I'm Paul Andrew, uh, and I am a senior program manager on the Exchange Enterprise Customer Team. Um, and my focus is on networking connectivity of customers into Microsoft's network and into Office 365. So as part of that, I'm uh, the program manager for ExpressRoute for Office 365. Um, and I also work on how we advertise our uh, endpoints, IP addresses and URLs that we publish for customers to use on their firewalls and other uses that they make of those. Are you that guy who's in charge of that RSS feed? Partly. <laughs> we work very closely with the unfortunate person who has to manage that. Yeah. <laughs> and the other Paul. Hi. Uh, yes, um, I do a very similar role um, to Paul, Andrew. I, I work within the Office 365 um, product team and I deal more around um, uh, customer interaction between uh, engineering and customers. So I deal with express route uh, requests, I deal with um, connectivity problems and I, I, a lot of my role is sat being a conduit between customers and engineering and making sure our documentation is following what our customers require uh, and so on but it's a, it's a relatively similar role to Paul hence why we present together quite a lot. So I guess speaking about the presentations and the session catalogue for this year um, I noticed that you guys have some really interesting sessions scheduled are you finding that as more and more organizations start adopting the cloud that your sessions are being attended by more and more folks? Uh, absolutely. And it's, it's absolutely the case that large organizations have their own networks, which have grown over sometimes global in nature, just depending on wherever their offices are. And they have a lot of questions about how to connect those to Microsoft's network and how to get Office 365 going. As a SaaS service, Office 365 is just a little bit different to your standard internet website that most organizations are used to controlling connectivity for. And there's a lot of questions that come out of that. Um, it's interesting that this sort of represents uh, the growth in large enterprise use of Office 365. Small businesses, home users don't have any of these networking complexities just because they don't have multiple offices, right? They don't have their own WAN and all those sorts of things. And so the increase in the number of people who are you know, asking us questions, coming to our talks and need help and advice with this sort of stuff represents the growth in Office 365 that we're seeing globally amongst that large enterprise customer base. And it's, it's really exciting to be in this space and work on it. 
Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, if you don't have a decent network or security, you don't have a cloud solution. So, you know, we cover one, well, we cover both of those things, actually. I mean, the two are intertwined. Um, so we're definitely seeing as customers move more and more to the cloud that they're realizing this space is, is key to the service actually working. I mean, at the end of the day, what we drive for is the Office 365 services works as if it's on-premises. And to do that, you have to have a performant network between the, the customer and the service. Well, to that point, yesterday you and I were talking and you were telling me how your your guidance has changed over the, the last, not only the last little while, but how your guidance has evolved. So surely a network is just a static thing as far as the customer is concerned, or is it that your network is evolving and because of that, you have to change your guidance? Um, well, it's the overlay of the application onto the network. All these things within the cloud change on a, a rapid rate, uh, as you know. Um, the service changes and how it works. We deliver improvements to the service, how services connect and work differently. Um, and we're also constantly listening and engaging with customers about how they're deploying and connecting to the service and taking that feedback and changing how we do things within the engineering and networking to help improve that. I mean, some of the work Paul just alluded to around managing the IPs is a piece of work that's come off that feedback where yeah. you know customers are struggling with that management of the change, so we're, we're trying to do something to, to remediate that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I think um, you know some of the larger customers I've worked with. That's a that's a real thing for them because they don't want to just open everything to anywhere, right? They want to be able to manage um, those connectivity endpoints and being able to control the the firewall rules and the IP ranges and all that kind of stuff is 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 key. So yeah, anything you guys can do to help make that better is obviously great. Yeah, and and our guidance has always been around bypassing on-premises proxy infrastructure that does very deep packet inspection. It's yeah. a very big bottleneck for that traffic and we've always encouraged customers to look at whether that solution which was designed for a transient internet connection to an unknown endpoint whether that really applies to SaaS services like Office 365 yeah but given we've got a very large list of endpoints which are required for the service to run that then presents challenges to customer security teams and we've been listening to that feedback and we're now looking at doing work to look at a smaller subset of URLs I mean we're probably looking at around 10 to 15 yeah which will carry 95% of the workload, the transaction rates, that we can then directly map security elements which are delivered from the service to those small list of URLs. And hopefully that makes the discussion a lot easier with customers around bypassing these devices for the bulk traffic. Yeah. And everything else, send it through the proxies and that, you know, it makes that whole process of implementing and discussing and managing this uh, a lot easier, hopefully. So that's a, a piece of work in progress at the minute. Um, and that's purely down to customer feedback in this area. So we might think of that as uh, we want to make sure that we allow connectivity to all of the endpoints that are at Office 365, of which there are hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. And then we specifically optimize the ones that we know uh, need to get great connectivity through. And we're still working on figuring out exactly how we can provide that guidance and that support. But I think that'll be something that we can give a lot of value to customers. Another thing that we've heard feedback from customers about these endpoints is that uh, maybe it's not the number of those, but it's the change. It's the ones that yeah. are different uh, month to month. And so another key part of this work is really identifying what does change month to month because you've got to get past the point that there is going to be change. Yeah. 
with a cloud solution that grows like Office 365 does, this change just because we have to add hard drives to add yeah. data storage all the time, and we've got new features coming out all the time. So there's going to be change in those endpoints, but helping customers to be able to manage that and understand when are new points, new endpoints required, and understand if we publish something, does that mean the endpoint is live or it's coming? And typically, we publish things early, so we'll give you notice at least a month before connectivity is required through yeah. to that endpoint. So, being really detailed about where endpoints are in that lifecycle, I think, will help people to be able to manage that change as well. And I think uh, you mentioned change. I think that's an important part of this whole process, is because the change is also from a cultural perspective and a support perspective within the organization too, right? It's not just, um, you know, this is how we've managed and maintained networks in the past and therefore we will continue to do it that way. It doesn't necessarily work when you're working in a, you know, a SaaS world. No, it, I mean, moving to the cloud is a big shift for a, an enterprise and that network connectivity, which is built for a different world, needs to change with it. And what we're trying to do is find that that balance point between wholesale change and just guided change that's really going to have an impact. And that's, that's where we're heading towards uh, with this new guidance. So one of the, the main talking points I have from both of you guys is that the network that's built to browse isn't the same network that's built to consume cloud services. So considering I've got the average large customer or even compliant customer Surely I can fix everything using ExpressRoute. Um, <laughs> Is that a bit of fear I see in your eye? <laughs> so maybe that's two questions there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so I want to take the first question first. Go on. Uh, which is, you know, if you, you're, you're a large customer, you've got on-premises servers today, and you've got internet connectivity, and you're looking at going to online, the real shift there is that your on-premises servers are have no proxy servers, they have no security devices, You're just, your users connect directly to them. But they do have a lot of bandwidth connectivity, a lot of data goes between users' PCs and those servers. Yeah. Maybe you're running Exchange on-premises, you're running SharePoint on-premises. It's not like there's there's a small amount of bandwidth going to So to, sh to imagine shifting those servers into Microsoft data centers and what you, ha what you have to do to an internet gateway in order to manage the extra bandwidth because suddenly you've decided you need a lot more security on the connectivity between your clients and those servers, which you didn't have before. Yeah. But now your policy is because it goes over that particular circuit, you got yeah. to have that extra stuff. It's going to be an expensive proposition. And you want to take a step back and think about, well, why are we adding that? And why are you doing that where you didn't have all that security on your internal networks? And maybe there is something to this, the cloud and SaaS is changing the way that networks are ev evolving and you should think about that a little bit. So that's part one of your question. Yeah. So surely ExpressRoute just makes everything better. It fixes all of my issues. So there's perhaps a... Um, Since I need to go to cloud and there's Exchange on the other side or there's SharePoint, or there's Azure, you know, I buy services from Microsoft, Microsoft gives me a network connection, it's called ExpressRoute, and I have pain, it'll take all my pain away. Well, I mean, this, this is another area where we've changed our attack on this based on customer feedback. Um, the, 
Express route in its simplest term is a, a direct connection from the edge of the customer network to the edge of Microsoft's network. A common misconception is it goes into the data center. It doesn't. It goes into the back of the network. Yeah. The same places that the internet routing would take it through. So in its simplest term, it's that. It's a, an alternate path to the internet routes for a subset, and this is where the kicker is, the subset of URLs that live on that Microsoft network. So some of the endpoints that we use for the service, GNS lookups, CRLs, CDNs, don't live on Microsoft infrastructure because they can be delivered from the, the, the edge of the, the network. Yeah. So therefore, there's no path to them through ExpressRAM. So that in itself is an issue. We've got traffic split, but it's not insurmountable. The key issue with ExpressRoute for Office 365 and why there's a differentiator between ExpressRoute for Azure and ExpressRoute for Office 365 is we've got to consider things like hybrid. Um, exchange hybrid, very common scenario for a customer who's moving to the cloud. You you know, you have a, an exchange server on-premises still delivering services to your users and you also have mailboxes in the cloud. And the problem comes with inbound connections. That doesn't really happen from Azure. Um, you go from the customer to the service. Um, but that happens both ways with Office 365. Um, yeah. Exchange hybrid is just one example. ADFS, SharePoint hybrid, Skype for Business hybrid. And so we've got very complex routing to manage. And if we move the endpoints for that hybrid server over ExpressRoute, they're not available over the internet now. So your users in Starbucks and a customer site can't hit their email. So then, you know, we've got to then make think about, okay, we need to expose this to the internet and manage the routing so that it comes in and out of the circuit we expect. Um, and a, a very simple example of how this is complex to manage is ADFS. If you sat with an ADFS server on-premises and Microsoft needs to call into that, traditionally that comes in over the internet, goes back out the internet. As soon as you turn an express route circuit on, if you haven't done the right natting and managing of that traffic, it comes in from Microsoft, hits the ADFS server, and we can see a better route back via express route. So yeah. you've got asymmetric routing occurring. Yeah. And invariably, a customer's firewall will just drop that traffic because yes. it didn't see the inbound flow. Um, so we were seeing customers hit this issue very, that's just one example of many. Um, and for that reason, we now have a block in place for ExpressRoute for Office 365. Um, so customers aren't Did you just say a block? Uh, correct, yes. You cannot enable it unless you've got approval from Microsoft. There are very good reasons why we do this. And I, I mean, Paul and I both deal with that process and talk to customers around this. And I'm personally, I think it's a positive thing. We were having customers on a daily basis cause themselves an outage of Office 365 by turning this peering on in the same way as you would with Azure. But Azure is pretty simple to do. You get this peering up, it either works or it doesn't. Yeah. If you don't do typically what we see is two to six months worth of work with Office 365 implementations then you're very high risk of an outage. And Microsoft doesn't want that for our customers, and I'm sure our customers don't want that for themselves. Um, and a few other aspects were around this decision, around expectations of what ExpressRoute can deliver over what it can't. So for that reason, we have a block in place. We have an approval process. So we speak to a customer at the right stage where they're making this decision about whether they want to spend six months and money on an ExpressRoute circuit give them the information about what what it does and doesn't deliver. And then that customer can make an informed decision about whether that's the right thing for their, their enterprise. And I'd say 
in 90% of the customers I speak to, when we articulate what we've got provisioned over the internet and how it works and understand the benefits of that path, they realize, okay, it's quicker, cheaper, and easier for me to deliver this over um, the internet rather than express route. So I, I think also from what I've seen with, with express route is there's, especially in terms of in the context of Office 365, there's this misconception that it's, it's an all-in you know, all connection. So uh, we have you know, security policies that say we can't pass uh, internal data over the internet, therefore we'll turn on express route and right. it's, it's, it's just going to magically fix our compliance problem, right? So, so there's different, there are benefits of using express route, but we do find uh, people misunderstand what some of the benefits they may be going to get from the technology. And there's also just, as Paul's been talking about, there is complexities in the routing that you've got to you've got to plan for, you've got to test before you go and deploy, and you've got to just be careful doing that. Um, but those misunderstandings that people make is really what those uh, reviews or consulting engagements that we do before people are approved to turn on ExpressRoute really help with, because you can walk people through what they're expecting, what they want to get out of it, are they going to get those things out of using ExpressRoute, direct networking, do they actually need that at all? Maybe they get the same benefits out of using the internet. Um, it's about giving people more information uh, and being able to make a, a, a more informed decision, I think. And I'll give yeah. you a, a quick example of where that that's, that sits. Um, we, we've had, had customers in the last few weeks talk to me about ExpressRoute and they want to bypass the internet because they're worried about, okay, if I get a DDoS attack on my internet connection, then uh, my Office 365 is down, so therefore ExpressRoute is going to fix that problem. And yeah. it won't because, as we discussed before, key elements for the service, DNS, CRL, check, CDN, all have to use that internet path. So it's, if it's not available, ExpressRoute's not going to help you. Existing connections will still be there, yes, but you'll very quickly realize that, that things aren't working as they should because new connections, which happen all the time, aren't going to complete. So in essence, what we're actually saying or what you guys are saying to customers is uh, we'll help you understand what you're trying to guard against or safeguard against or what the threat is before you put a technology solution in place, right? Because I think that's, that's part of the challenge is people have heard that ExpressRoute as a solution or is the solution, they don't necessarily understand the problem they're trying to solve. So it, yeah. it sounds like a, a great approach. Uh, yeah, I, I think customers often understand the problem they're trying to solve, but maybe don't understand what ExpressRoute can actually deliver. And, and that's the thing, we want to give the customer the information to fully understand what they're getting into, um, what it is going to deliver and what it is not, and then let them make that informed decision about what's right for them. And, and that, for me, is a good thing for both parties. We, we, we don't want customers having outages any more than they do, and we don't want them spending money and time on an implementation of something which you know, they, they could have done, as I said, quicker, cheaper, yeah. and easier over the internet path. And in a sense, what we're doing is protecting customers against that moment where they try to go live with ExpressRoute and they haven't done part of the planning, and then suddenly all their connectivity to Office 365 is offline. And uh, you start to get the escalations when a company's CEO can't get to their email anymore. Uh, you've got to fix that real quick. So we want to make sure that people are fully informed and like think about that and understand some of the planning that's required before they go ahead with that kind of change. It's just the seriousness of the negative side effects of not doing that planning is really what had led us to have to put in that review process and that, that technical block for people turning it on. So I'm hearing that there's a lot of potential reasons not to use ExpressRoute. 
so let's get away from ExpressRoute for Office 365. What are my benefits, if any, that I as a paying customer would want to use ExpressRoute for Azure? Why, what would I gain? versus having a really good internet connection. I've come and I've, I've listened to your talks. I've done my homework on GeoDNS. I've done the work on the firewall. I've done my proxy exclusions. Why do I still want ExpressRoute? So I, I think, and that's a great question. ExpressRoute for Azure ha has a, a great value prop. Uh, when you're using ExpressRoute with a private Azure IP range, uh, it's very simple to set up. You're connecting to typically IaaS services in Azure. Um, you can use that as an extension of your company's internal private network. Uh, it's typically, typically set up and controlled by your admins. Um, if you do have a routing error, you're not going to take email offline, yeah. so it's not like the company-wide failure that there. There's a lot of reasons why uh, it's much easier and, and gives you immediate value prop for using ExpressRoute with connectivity to Azure. Uh, and some of those complexities that we, we talk about, the inbound routing, there's none of that at all that customers have to set up. They don't have to figure that out. Um, it's much much easier to get to value really quick. So it gives, if you're moving business critical services into Azure, it gives you a direct, and, and, and this is the word I use a lot, a, a reliable path that it's something that is only used for this traffic. Yeah. It is um, a circuit that's not shared with you know your users looking at cat videos on YouTube, <laughs> um, and and that's what customers want. They want the reliability of a, a private circuit, and the simplicity of that implementation for for Azure means that it is the optimal connectivity. And of course, for Office 365, you get the same benefit if you're using it. You get that reliability of the circuit. But for the vast majority of customers, the internet path delivers a reliable enough um, path and. You've mentioned Microsoft's global network there. In the vast majority of cases, customers' traffic is only on the internet for a very short period of time till it's on Microsoft's managed infrastructure. That same network that ExpressRoute um, puts the traffic onto, but it it just gives us a, a, a bypass for that for customers who have specific challenges that can't be solved over the internet path. I've heard some really amazing stuff from your sessions, including terms like um, cold potato routing and how amazing the, the Microsoft network is and, and some of the amazing things you guys do globally. So do you mind just, just bragging a little bit on that? Absolutely, yeah. So at Microsoft, we have uh, one of the two largest networks in the world. Um, originally, you know, this network was built to connect Microsoft data centers and as we've grown, you know, I think we have over 100 data centers in, uh, in more than 38 locations now. Um, that network has had to grow, but it's also the network that we built for connecting customers onto our consumer services. Uh, Bing, of course, is in our data centers, and so we extend that out to get more points of presence for users to be able to connect onto that. We have 150 points of presence where our network connects to the internet today. And so it's in a lot of locations across the world. And uh, yeah, we run cold potato routing, uh, which uh, really just means that we seek to attract 
traffic that's destined for any Microsoft server anywhere in the world yeah. onto Microsoft's network yeah. as fast as possible, as quickly as possible. We advertise routes at all of those 150 locations to more than 2,500 ISPs that we have peering agreements with so that that traffic gets onto our network. And we want to do that so customers have a better experience. Um, it means that uh, our network, which has lots of excess capacity, which doesn't have a lot of congestion and therefore is going to have faster packets going across it, uh, is what people are using to access Microsoft services, Office 365, consumer services, and uh, and others. And it's what for what makes Xbox Live possible, yeah. um, that we have our own managed network to carry that traffic to and from our servers. Um, to be able to have the, the level of online gaming that we do. So it's not just Office 365 or Azure that relies on it, it's our entire infrastructure. And it, obviously then it's a key asset for Microsoft, um, something that we spend a lot of money and time on, on improving constantly. Um, for example, we've just completed a, a new link uh, between Bilbao and Virginia to cope with future anticipated traffic and that can carry was it 16 terabyte terabytes per second i think on that's that link. amazing wow. um, and that's that's something we've worked on with facebook and a few other partners but that's uh, part of that consistent um, investment in that network um, before we at the point where we're probably going to start winding down is there anything that you guys think we should be asking you anything that we've missed um, well, one thing we've been talking about at uh, Ignite here is is a set of principles that we've sat and thought about, and uh, and we think if customers follow those principles, they will able to enjoy all the benefits of the service improvements and changes that we do, whilst also abstracting themselves from those changes. So, um, I guess the last question that I have for you guys, and, and it may be a complex one, but you know. Are there any steps that you're recommending that customers take um, that will really help them kind of make the most of, of, of the Microsoft network and get the most out of those services? Um, so yeah, uh, here at Ignite we've been talking at uh, every session we've been talking about networking and a set of four principles that um, a group of us have, have sat down and thought about and that customers can drive towards to help them um, take on board all the service improvements and changes um, as they happen whilst also abstracting themselves from that change because we, we obviously want customers network connectivity to be good but also not require a high level of maintenance um, so those four principles sit around one understanding those URLs and IPs that we talked about and, and fully understanding what they are where they're going and what we can optimize and what, what can go over our standard proxy. So we yeah. can make differential decisions based on where those endpoints are. Um, second principle is around uh, egress close to the user. So that means, I mean, obviously an, an enterprise isn't going to have a local egress at every site, but a level of consolidation is expected. But what we'd like is that traffic to egress as close as is practicable to the, the user so we can get it on Microsoft's network and deliver those optimizations as close as possible to the user. So that's moving away from the old hub and spoke model as far as possible. Yeah. Uh, number three, uh, actually I missed part of number two was having DNS resolution close to that egress because yes. that's how we do some of those optimizations as a yeah. key, key point. Uh, number three was around hairpinning and very similar to number two, but customers looking at 
not hairpinning traffic through a solution and back out again. So an example being a forced VPN tunnel on clients to come into the corporate network, to go through that security architecture and come back out again and really look at that and say, is, is that necessary for Office 365 traffic? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, often the, the answer hopefully would be no. And then uh, finally, Paul, help me out here. I've forgotten the fourth yeah, one. So the last one, the security network devices. Oh, yeah. Which is, um, uh, you know, once you've identified the Office 365 traffic, uh, w we'd prefer that you not run Office 365 traffic through a lot of networking security devices, which can impede it, slow it down, potentially corrupt the data that's going through it. And instead, um, take a look at the risks that you're trying to address with those network security devices. Um, and see if there's something in Office 365 that already addresses those risks. And like a CASB service, as an example? We have a CASB service in Office 365. We have data loss protection. We have uh, antivirus. Uh, we have all these kind of things that you can use. Um, there's even the new secure score that we can give you about how secure you are and set up and using the different security features that are available in Office 365. So all of these things, which are built at the application layer yeah. rather than the network layer, uh, often can mean that you don't need to re-implement that same security at the network layer. Yeah, and I think the service, the improvements we were talking about before around just highlighting those key URLs makes that discussion a lot easier because yeah. we're not talking about right. hundreds of disparate URLs. A very short list makes that discussion easier. So. Hopefully that should be available relatively soon once we've finalized with the different workloads across the service, yeah. uh, anything that we may have uh, missed in our initial look. Okay, that's awesome. So um, for anyone who's kind of tuning into this and, and hasn't been at Ignite or missed Ignite, do you, can you remember the session code for the, the session talking about the principles? Yeah, so we have uh, three sessions where we've talked about it. Um, the first one where we introduced it and talked about the strategy and architecture was BRK3041. Um, and then actually today, although we didn't talk a lot about the principles, uh, we did review them, is BRK1005. Um, and Paul and I have another session on Thursday, which is BRK3051. And we're actually going to spend quite a bit of time talking through uh, what we mean by each of the principles, what how it's going to impact you, and then some practical guidance that you want to think about uh, as you're connecting up to Office 365 as well. Awesome, thank you. That's great for anyone who wants to download the sessions later on and go over that, or even for people who were at Ignite or are at Ignite uh, and may have missed that, so at least they can go back and get the, that, that, that guidance um, for, for their own, you know, um, for their own. Uh so guys, thank you very, very much for your time today. Um, before, before we let you go, um, is there anything you guys wanted to promote uh, or tell the listeners about, um, you know, online resources, white papers, other sessions, anything like that that you guys want to share? Um, in terms of sessions, there are there are some sessions that are kind of linked to ours around the workload changes in Skype and SharePoint. Uh, I don't have the list of them to hand, um, but if you search for Skype network, you, you'll find them on the, the Ignite website. Um, in terms of our guidance, um, most of it is linked off uh, HTTP aka.ms forward slash tune, um, where we have our kind of performance guidance. Um, Express route, uh, the URL for our a guidance around that is yeah we have a uh, an aka.ms url which uh we'll have to look up and uh, share with you um that uh fronts the uh express route guidance on support.office.com that that's all right so if we could have that we'd put that in our show notes with pleasure awesome awesome 
You can find me, Nicholas, on the Twitter at Nicholas Blank, as well as Facebook and LinkedIn. I blog at blankmanblog.com. I'm also on Twitter at Chris Goosen, or you can visit my blog, cgoosen.com. Our show is on Facebook at facebook.com slash thearchitects.cloud and our website as before, thearchitects.cloud. Our Twitter handle at thecloudarch.